Good morning. I hope you were refreshed today as we sang together, uh, just drawn into God's presence, our great Savior's presence, and reminded about who he is and the power that he has. And it's good to know we're in good, strong hands, isn't it? It's good to review where we've been as well. So today we're going to be talking about being devoted messengers of the gospel uh, pro- proclaimers of Christ. But I wanted to just take a quick review because we are on M number six today, messengers of the Gospels. We've been going through fruitfulness on the front lines. The big picture is that Jesus is Christ. He's the key. Know who he is. He's fully God. First, or Colossians chapter one tells us that he was fully God and that he came and uh, he is the creator of all things, and then he's also not only the creator, but the savior of all. He came, and he died on the cross. He, he made atonement. He covered over our sins so that we can have eternal life. The key is Christ. He is God the savior. Know who he is. Know what he's done for us on the cross, and then know who you are in Christ. We've gone a lot to John chapter 15, that uh, chapter where Jesus was talking about him being the vine and we're being, we being the branches and abiding in him. And he reminds us there that he no longer calls us servants, but I call you friends. You did not choose me, he says, but I chose you and appointed you to go and to bear fruit, fruit that will last, fruit that will abide until all eternity. We can work for God now. So that's this call to be fruitful Because Christ has appointed us to be fruitful, to go and to bear eternal fruit, kingdom fruit, serving God in this world, giving this world a taste of the kingdom of God that's coming. And in talking about being fruitful, we talked about modeling godly character in Colossians chapter 3. We're to be clothed with Christ, putting off the old putting on the new clothes, the character of Christ, making good work, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord. Do it for Christ. You're serving him. You're not serving Grace Chapel. You're not serving just your community, although we do that. We are serving God. So do it well in everything. Do it in a way pleasing to God. Make good work. Model godly character. Ministering grace and love. We're to grow in Christ. We're citizens of heaven. So we are to be molding culture as well, knowing we're raised with Christ. So we need to bring that kingdom to this world. We're a mouthpiece. We looked at last week of truth and justice. We're to have heart, a heart for those who are captive lost in sin, don't know the difference, don't care. We're to to be a mouthpiece of God's truth and justice, being fruitful for Christ. So today we're going to be looking at being messengers of the gospel, number 6M, devoted messengers. And today, just real quickly, we're going to be looking at uh, Colossians chapter 4. And devoted messengers are devoted to prayer. Devoted messengers of the gospel are devoted to speaking the gospel. Devoted messengers are devoted to living wisely. Devoted messengers are always doing it in partnership with others. 
So let's take a look at where we're, uh, that's where we're going. In verse 2, David read that uh, for us. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Warren Wiersbe says that speech is a powerful tool. And we know that's true. Words are powerful. They've shaped us. The things we heard from our parents or from our friends, the good and the bad, they shape us, they direct us. Worship and prayer, Warren Worsby says, are the highest forms of speech. When we're worshiping God, we had a chance to do that today, just a little taste of that. And when we pray, when we have conversation with God, that's the highest form of speech because of who God is. Fruitful messengers are prayerful. They're dependent on God. And, and, and Paul urges us, look at what he says, continue steadfastly. That's a compound word. That's, that's two words spliced together. And uh, it means occupy yourself diligently with something. And in this case, it's to be occupied, to be diligent in prayer. Or another way to say it is pay persistent attention to praying. Hold fast to something. Hold fast to praying. Pray without ceasing, Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So, Always praying doesn't mean you go about muttering all the time like prayers, like, you know, just walking around. No, it just means it's an attitude of, of like breathing. It, it's, it's part of your uh, habit. It, it just comes naturally, just this conversation with God. We can't do it all the time because uh, I can't pray and, and talk to Leslie very well. I can't do anything else and talk to Leslie well. It's like, um, um, and when I say, uh-huh, you know, I'm in trouble because I really wasn't listening, but we won't go there. If God wants us to pray continually or regularly to make, it's like breathing, just this constant conversation, just in an attitude where we're ready to do that. Does that mean that like he likes to make us work really hard, like sweat? Gotta, gotta really sweat. Not at all. God loves to hear us talk. He already knows what we're thinking, but he loves to hear us express it. He enjoys it. He doesn't delay because he doesn't like us. It's not always a denial. It's because his ways and his timing are so much better. So continue steadfastly. Hold on to it. Pay attention to it. Be learning how to pray better. Be, and then he says, being watchful. That just means be wide awake. Be alert. Be engaged in prayer. You know, a, a picture of that's the Garden of Gethsemane. And we're coming up on the Easter season, so we go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and, and being watchful. Well, Jesus was being watchful. He was praying hard. He was sweating like drops of blood. It was just, he was so immersed in this cry to his Father to deliver him from the cross. But not my will, but your, be done, your will be done, he said. He, he was in turmoil, but, and his friends, what were they doing? Yeah, they were taking a nap. They were tired. They were depressed. They couldn't, they, they just were escaping. And, and you've never been there either, have you? But that 
is a picture of not being watchful, Jesus being watchful. We need to be giving our better times, not our leftovers when it comes to prayer. And then it says to be thankful. Some commentators said maintaining lively praying, how does it happen? It happens in an attitude of thankfulness. Crown it, they said, with thankfulness. The fire on the altar of incense. You know, they, the, the high priest or the priest would go into the temple of the Lord or the tabernacle and they would throw incense on the, on the altar of incense. There was a fire there and it would hit that and the smoke would go up to God. Well, you want to keep the fires burning for prayer? Start with thankfulness. It's an attitude that puts things into perspective. Let me ask you a personal question. You don't have to answer. If you want to, you can shout it out. How would you grade yourself on praying? We grow hot and cold with prayer. And there's always room to grow. No matter what level we are, there's always room to grow. So the question is, how can we strengthen our praying to be more in line with God's will, with what God would pray, with what Jesus would pray? Well, go to the scriptures. That's one of the answers. Ask God to help you want to pray more because we don't often want to pray more. We want to do things on our own. We're not as dependent as we should be. There's always room to grow. Ask God to help you along. And then practice prayer. Have you ever been in a room with someone and they pray and there's like there's no pretense, there's no fancy words, they're just having this conversation. It's like you know they've been at the table sitting and having fellowship with God on a regular basis, having a meal with the father and the son, you know. They've knocked on the door and you've, they've opened it and they've come in and they've just had this great time and they're just having a conversation. And when you hear them pray, you're just pulled into it because they're just in a comfortable relationship like you are with friends and family that you talk with all the time. It's like you don't even think about things, you just talk. We have this right. Jesus has opened the door, he's torn the veil so that we can go right into the very presence of the God who created us and the whole universe. And he says, talk to me, pour out your heart. Thank me, worship. Let's just have a conversation. You have some things you want to ask or you have questions. I have some answers. I want to help and encourage you. Don't miss the opportunity. There's this man I met once by the name of Ian North. We had a, a, a missions weekend lined up at my church, and the, and the keynote speaker, he was a big-name guy. We are in this small little church. John and Diane Spadafore have been there. Mark Leesburg, they, they just visited it a few, few months ago, yeah. They still support them, by the way. My, my main speaker canceled out on me. It's like just a few weeks before this missions conference, and I was really wanted to have a missions conference, and, and a friend of mine recommended Ian North, a guy from Australia, great accent. 
He came. Big guy in Australia. Missionary. He came. In the, after, in the afternoon, the night before our little missions weekend, I think it was a Thursday night, before it started, he said, why don't we get together to pray? So we went off to this little campground that was nearby. He was staying by himself in this cabin on the campground. And this young pastor was carried into the presence of God. You can tell it still hits me hard. You know, this is years ago. I was in my 30s, so you can figure it. You can do the math. It's a long time ago. I can't forget it. It still jabs me when I think about Ian. He, and, and he just prayed. He worshiped God. He just poured out his heart for the gospel to spread everywhere. He prayed for our little congregation to grow and to be shaken by God. He prayed for God's glory to be known in the heavens and, and in the earth and everywhere. Just, wow. I've never been in someone's presence that prayed like that. And he shared this story with me. He, he had met this missionary in the Middle East who, after World War II, had been plowing there without any results, any no converts for years and years. And he said, but that man every day would pray for hours. See, there was this huge overstuffed chair in his apartment or wherever he was living, and he would kneel at that chair, and it would just, it was pushed all over the room just as he wrestled with God for the city that he was serving. Somewhere in the Middle East. Wow. That affected Ian. And that affected me. I still have a lot of room to learn to pray. So don't be disheartened if your prayer life seems puny <laughs> or weak or not what it should be. There's always room to grow. But learn from Jesus how to pray. Learn from Bible people. Learn from church history. Learn from one another when we gather here. We're all students. We all have more to learn. So just learn to pray harder. Be devoted to it. Make sure prayer is a part of your discipleship growing program. Your plan that you have to grow in your praying. Make it a part of it. P.S. by the way, that's why we have a prayer leader. We want prayer to become more important in the life of our congregation. That's why we're going to do a series on prayer. That's why we're trying to learn how to pray together on Sunday mornings. We do that once a month, right? And we've been praying last week about our front lines. It's because it should be a natural, comfortable thing. Because we are messengers of the gospel, and devoted messengers of the gospel have to be dependent on God, so we need to learn to pray and to pray even better. Devoted messengers are not only dependent on prayer, our prayers are devoted to prayer, but they're speaking the gospel. And look at verses 3 and 4. Notice how prayer is a part of the request to speaking the gospel. Verse 3, at the same time, you know, at the same time, Paul says, while you're steadfastly praying, watchfully praying, and thankfully praying, pray also for me. Pray also for us, it wasn't just me, but for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. 
pray also for me. Wow. Even the Apostle Paul needed someone to pray for him because he didn't say it right all the time. He needed help. He needed clarity. He needed God's help to do it well, to speak the gospel well. So here's purposeful praying for others, praying for open doors. And he says, pray for us so that we can tell the mystery of Christ. Do you know what the mystery of Christ is? What's mysterious about Jesus? The mystery of Christ is his gospel. That God would come in the flesh and die on the cross for our sins. That's the mystery of the gospel. It sounds almost like a fairy tale if you're looking at it without faith, doesn't it? God would come, the Almighty, and be a, a, a man, a humble man, a powerless man, a poor man, a rejected man. God in the flesh dying to make a covering or an atonement for our sins. The guiltless lamb killed for the guilty in the sinner's place. Raised again as proof that he's the Lord. That's the mystery of the gospel. Learn to tell the mystery of Christ. Pray for open doors for this to be spoken. Praying for others and our own clarity in explaining it. And how do you do that? We need to practice. Practice telling it here to one another. Actually doing it. Fumbling the ball. Picking it up. And evaluating, adjusting. And with the Spirit's help and presence, we can do it. Praying for others' frontline opportunities. That's exactly what Paul's asking his friends to do here for him. Pray for my front line. I'm in prison, but pray so that I can see opportunities to speak the gospel and then dare to walk through those doors. Do you ever feel like nobody cares about the gospel much anymore? It's not a popular subject. Actually, I don't know that it ever was. But ask for open doors to happen. Ask for eyes to see the open doors. And then ask for the courage to walk through them. Imagine us, by God's grace, steadfastly, continually, watchfully, and thankfully asking for open doors to happen and then walking through those doors when they do happen because the Spirit's at work. Awakening. Quickening our hearts, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. There was an archbishop of Dublin, Richard Trench, never met him. He said this, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of his willingness. Does Jesus Christ want doors to be opened so that his name can be declared heard, spoken about. Well, we know that is his will, so we can pray for that. And we are his appointed messengers to do it, so we need to be persistent in praying and asking God to open up those doors to walk through them. How are we to speak? Well, it says in verse 5, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. 
Prayer kind of fits our private life. You know, it's, it's a more personal thing. Sometimes it's corporate, but it's a very uh, private category of our life, church life and fellowship. But now Paul's addressing our marketplace, public life. And what does Paul ask for us to do? He says, walk in wisdom. He doesn't ask for prison doors to be opened. He asks for open doors for the gospel to be spread. So the gospel's not limited by a prison cell. It's not limited by a society or culture that may not want to hear it. We just need to ask God to be working in people's hearts. The focus isn't on personal freedom. The focus is on gospel freedom. John Tudor, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm calling you out, John, but... It, You've shared a very important prayer request about China because the China government's trying to clamp down on the gospel spreading through, through the internet. So let's pray for open doors. You know, they've done this before. They tried to shut down their borders years ago when communism took over. And you know what happened there, right, with the church? The missionaries all had to go. What was going to happen to the church? Well, it just exploded. Pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray for that to be done, we can have confidence that God is going to answer. So don't worry about your personal freedoms. Focus on praying that the gospel would be free in spite of prison cells, in spite of policies, in spite of not being able to speak his name so openly. God will open doors. What does it mean to walk wisely? Wise living for Christ means being careful not to say or to do anything that will make it harder to speak the name of Jesus. Uh-oh. Yeah, we need to be careful. Be careful what you say. Always be gracious in your speech. Always be gracious and season what you say with salt. In other words, make it flavorful. Whatever you post online, let the rant be about the glories of Jesus Christ. And his beauty. Being careful. The sin problem and the need for atonement is a foreign language to people who are spiritually blind or who have never heard. An inconsistent gospel preaching that is accompanied by prejudice and legalism and hateful speech and self-righteousness and angry language and all kinds of actions, that hinders the gospel. So walk wisely. Buy up the time. Wise living for Christ means buying up opportunities when they appear. I was looking at Right Now Media, and a, an Indian pastor is talking about the parable of the talents, and I love what he had to say. Let me just refresh your memory if you're not familiar with that parable. Matthew chapter 25, which is kind of interesting because it's in context. This parable of the talents is in context of Jesus coming back very soon. And here's what it, he said. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents were at once, went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. 
So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Ordinary servants don't get bags of gold to invest for their master. Five bags of gold, two bags of gold, one bag of gold. Servants, lowly servants, stewards, normally don't get to do that. Only the upper echelon get to mess with, with my money, right? But grace gives servants talent to be used for God's glory, to build, to spread, to be fruitful. That's a picture of God's grace. And grace wasn't given to fill those servants with fear, but to give them courage to invest, to spread, to be fruitful, to take the gospel, what their master had given them, and let it grow, to increase and spread. Remember who we are, appointed and chosen to be fruitful for Christ. There are opportunities, or have been, no, there are, excuse me, opportunities on our front line as a congregation. Which opportunity should we invest in? We can pray for help with that. Continually asking God to open up our eyes to lead us to the harvest fields that are right before us and not to be afraid to step forward in through those open doors, praying for us as a group, praying for one another individually. Devoted messengers are devoted to prayer because without God dependence, we easily get self-dependent. Without God's help, we don't see, we avoid, we get lazy, we don't go through the open doors. Without prayer, God dependence, uh, without God dependence, we will not be able to walk through those doors with wisdom and graciousness. We need to make our words more attractive, not repellent. Truth is not always received well, so we're going to have to be careful and work hard at making it as tasteful as possible without compromise. Messengers of the gospel, finally, point four, are always working in partnership. Where did I get that point? Well, flip Well, in my Bible, I have to turn a page. And I'm not going to read verses 7 through the end of the letter to the Colossians. But look at all the names that Paul mentions that were his partners in spreading the gospel. Partners that he was asking prayer for. Partners that he prayed for. This is God's design that when we take the gospel out, we're never alone. We're working with God and we're working with one another. That's the way God designed it. We need partners because we get weary. We get physically weary. weary. We get emotionally weary. We get spiritually weary. We can fool ourselves and think we're more important than we really are. Our hearts have mixed intentions, good intentions, and then ego intentions to be known, to be loved. It muddies the clarity of the gospel, so we need one another. 
We need the Spirit to help us, but sometimes we ignore the Spirit of God. We read the Word of God, and we don't think it applies to us, so we need brothers and sisters in Christ, family members, to help correct us and move us forward. Teachers and church leaders and parents and all those people to come alongside and to challenge us and to correct us so together we're better messengers of the gospel. If you were to read through the whole letter to the Colossians, and it's an easy read, you can knock it off this afternoon real easy before you take your afternoon nap. It's only four chapters. Paul has incredibly high expectations for these believers. They were doing really well, but he had high expectations for them to do a little bit better, to grow and mature. He expected their faith to grow, for their love to grow, for their hope to grow. And he expects us to grow in our faith and in wisdom and in our conversations to get better in the marketplace, to know how to dodge the questions, to know how to be sensitive to where people are asking for God's help all the time to understand what they're saying, to be gracious in how we do it. When we do that, Christ is going to become a fresh aroma to many who believe. And to others who reject him, he's going to become the aroma of death. But you'll see it will still bring him glory because when they stand before God, before their judge, they would have heard the gospel and they will be held accountable for what they did with it. Devoted messengers are devoted to prayer. That's what Paul says in verse 3 of chapter 4 of Colossians. Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Came upon an old story from a very great saint from years ago, D.L. Moody. And I love this story. I don't often go to those old timers, but we're talking 150 years ago or so. He shares this story. There was a child who was rescued from a fire that was raging in a house. The child was on the fourth story with his head out the window, and a fireman was going up the iron uh, fire escape to rescue the child, but the heat was so intense, the wind was blowing that, that the fireman felt the heat, and he started to slow down. He couldn't go on. And there was a crowd watching below, and of course a crowd gathering, and they see this child, it's a drama, and they gasp. And somebody yells out, cheer him on, cheer him on. And they started to cheer him on, this fire, fireman, and he did go up, and he rescued the child. But here's what I love what Moody, D.L. Moody said. If you cannot go and rescue the perishing yourself, you can at least pray for those who do and cheer them on. And if you do, the Lord will bless the effort. Do not grumble and criticize. It takes neither heart nor brains to do that. So let's learn to be thankful. Let's quit criticizing one another's efforts and let's begin to pray for growth and maturity and graciousness 
and that we would see open doors and ask God to open those doors and that each one of us would be have the courage then by God's power and might to walk through those doors. We'll be better as we pray about our weak spots, about our eyes needing to be open for courage to speak, to be dependent on God, to be in partnership with one another. Will you pray so that you and us together can be devoted messengers of the gospel? Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to teach us to pray. And we humbly now bow before you and ask you to help us so that we would lose our pride and be dependent on you, that we would humbly come asking, knowing that you will hear us when we pray. Lord, give us strength so we don't grow weary in doing well, that we pray not for us to be free, but that your gospel would be free to spread as your people go out and live for you. Wherever we are, together, Lord, and when we're scattered, Lord, Help us to be devoted messengers of your gospel, we pray for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.